0: Welcome, everybody. My name is Adrian Nyhouse, lead pastor of City Light Church in Kingston. And today is such a great day for us to be alive. It's, it's, it's a, an exciting time for us to be able to celebrate Easter. Uh, and when you consider it, Easter is, is the greatest three day event in the history of the world. There's been so many things that have happened, so many great sports events, but nothing, nothing compares to Easter and, and the great day that it is and, and what it celebrates. Uh, and Easter isn't just about one day only. It's not just uh, Easter Sunday. It's not just a day where we, we have eggs and, and celebrate all the things that happen there. It's it's more than Sunday. It's it's Friday, Good Friday, the day where Jesus died, Easter Sunday where Jesus rose again. Everything about that is one, one big package, and, and we can't have one without the other. We can't have uh, Jesus being born without him dying. We can't have uh, just one or the other. We we, we can't get to uh, to celebrate everything. His 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 life, his ministry, his calling, his birth, his death, his resurrection, uh, his ascension into heaven, his releasing the Holy Spirit. Everything is part of God's plan for us, and we need to keep that in mind when we're when we're living, when we're celebrating, when we're just remembering these sort of days, because it is God that we need to be celebrating. So before we get into it I just want to open with a word of prayer and then we're going to go straight into John chapter 20 verse 1 through to 18. So Lord we want to commit this time to you. We thank you Lord that we can celebrate Easter such a a wonderful time Lord. We thank you for your gift of love to us. We thank you for everything you've done for us for the blessing that you've been to us that you are to us and that you will be to us. Holy Spirit I invite you into this place today just uh, just take over my words lord let this message flow through let it be a message where we learn about you and your heart for us we commit this time to you in jesus wonderful name amen so turn your bibles if you haven't already to to john chapter 20 verses 1 to 18 and we're just going to read this uh, i'm reading from the new living translation so verse 1 early on sunday morning while it was still dark mary magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they've taken away the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings laying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there while the cloth that had covered Jesus face or his head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed for until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that Jesus said, or sorry, that said Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied. I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But but go find my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God. And to your God, Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And then she gave them this message. Can you imagine uh, the emotions and the grief the disciples would have been experiencing? Uh, It wasn't just uh, something that happened where, you know, Jesus didn't just disappear. He didn't just go away for a few days or a period of time. They witnessed a brutal death. And and when you consider what he went through, he was savagely beaten, he was whipped, he was mocked, he had a crown of of Judean thorns, you know, decent sized thorns, not just put on his head, but struck on his head with reeds. And he had to carry his cross, I can imagine uh, his body broken, bleeding, that the the blood had started to congeal, and and as he had his clothes back on, as they they dragged uh, the, the cross across his back, that wouldn't have been a smooth cross, it was rough. And he had to carry that all the way through town. And he was he was witnessed by people. He had people, I, I guess, laughing at him and others crying. But he went through something really, really horrific. He he carried this thing all the way to Golgotha. And then he gets nailed to this cross and hung up naked, bleeding, wounded for everybody to see. And he would have been in such pain. But what I think is amazing, Isaiah 52:14 says. But many were amazed when they saw him. his face was so disfigured he, he he hardly seemed human from his appearance. No one would scarcely believe he was a man and and I think that's an incredible thing. The beating that Jesus went through so so severe that people looked at him and said, he doesn't even look like a man that's That's just a really graphic um thing and and so often you you see some of these religious pictures where where Jesus is hanging on the cross and and I've sometimes, even as a kid, I've looked at those thinking, I could have done that. What was what was so awesome and amazing about that? And and sometimes we don't like the graphicness of, of Easter. We don't like the graphic picture of Jesus' death. But like I said at the start, we can't have one without the other. We can't have Jesus' uh, resurrection. We can't celebrate Easter and celebrate life without acknowledging his death first. His death had to come before he was able to be risen. Um. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds we are healed. That's a really graphic picture. Uh, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. That's a, that's a strong, strong image. Uh, and if we, if we continue on, we look at this story. The Bible tells us that at 3 p.m. Jesus died. And uh, that's that's quite clear. That's not guessing. That's that's a clear time. But from there, Joseph of Arimathea goes to Pilate and says, "Can I have his body?" And he he took him took Jesus down. Uh, he buried him because uh, according to their custom, he had to be buried before the Sabbath, which started at uh, about six to seven p.m. at night. So it had to be done that day. And and when Jesus died, he was buried straight away. And and we we look at that and we see that's day one. Such an important time. Such a uh, a big time, a graphic time. But then we look at day two, we don't see a whole lot in the Bible about day two. There's, there's very little said, and and we can only imagine the sort of things that disciples would have been going through, the grief they would have been experiencing, the, the the just the pain, the suffering. If, if any of you have, have lost somebody, you can understand that the pain that's associated with with the loss of a person and, and witnessing what they did. The, the disciples would have been really heavily grieving and as we read in, in John chapter 20, verse 9, it says, for until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead. So they didn't understand that. So in their thinking, Jesus was gone. That was it. He's finished. He's, he's dead. He's been buried. It's over and done with. And, and it's something they couldn't really comprehend. And um, I guess one of the questions that the disciples would have been asking is, is, is where is God in this time? Why did God allow this to happen? And even in this day and age, we, we, we see and, and we hear people asking those sort of questions. Where is God in all these things that we're facing? Where is God when things are really hurting? And I can imagine that was a question the disciples probably were, were asking. Where is Jesus in this time? Where, you know, Where is he? If only he was here, if only this had happened. And if we look at the uh, the song Waymaker that we sing, there's a, there's a line in there on the bridge that says, even when I don't see it, you're working even when I don't feel it. You're working. You never stop. You never stop working, and that paints a really good picture of day two of the um, of, of Easter of that whole those three days. Day one, Jesus died. Day two, when we couldn't see him, when there's very little spoken about him, when the disciples were probably asking questions, "Where are you? Why did you allow this to happen?" On day two, what was happening? Jesus was working. He was he was paying the price for our salvation and. It's such an incredible thing when you when you read through the scriptures and you see uh, God's plan for us as a people and, and the price that He paid for us and that He just that He uh, descended into the depths of the earth and and dealt with uh, with sin with with hell and death and He took back that authority and, and put us in in right standing with Him and and we often to fail fail to see what Jesus is doing because we tend to look at things with our natural eyes we tend to uh, hear what's going on around us. We tend to look at the things that are around us. We tend to see what's going on. And the problem is we so often, so often when we pray, we pray based on what we see and we tell God how to respond based on what we see. And we need to realize that what we don't see, it doesn't stop there. Just because we don't see God working doesn't mean he's not working. And and I think that was part of the enemy's plan too, that he he judged with what he saw. And he figured that if I can actually take Jesus out, that's it. God's plan is done. And he never had the ability to think beyond where God could think. And uh, 1 Corinthians two eight says, Had the rulers of this age known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And had the enemy known what was going to happen, had he known what God had in store, he never would have done this. He never would have seen this through because uh, Jesus' death burial and resurrection, ascension into heaven, all this sort of stuff released such an incredible thing that the God, the Jesus opened up the, uh, the plan of salvation for mankind. And that was the furthest thing from what the enemy wanted. So we are, we are so blessed by what God has done through that. If we go back to uh, Exodus chapter 12, we look at this and we see after being in slavery for 400 years, God was using Moses to, to deliver the Israelites from slavery. And Moses had gone, and God's instruction had gone before Pharaoh, and there'd been a series of plagues come, across, uh, come upon Egypt. And the last plague that Egypt was to face was the angel of death that took the firstborn of every family. And I just want to pick it up from Exodus chapter 12, uh, verse 21 through to 23. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel together and said to them, go pick out a lamb or a young goat for each of your families, and slaughter the Passover animal. Drain the blood into a basin, then take a bundle of hyssop branches and dip it into the blood. Brush the hyssop across the top and sides of the door frames of your house, and no one may go through the door until morning. For the Lord will pass through the land and strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the top and the sides of the door frame, the Lord will pass over your home He will not permit his death angel to enter your house and strike you down. And when the disciples painted the blood on the door of their house, they were were painting a bloodline across the top, down the sides. They were creating a bloodline over the entry point to their house. And that bloodline was something that the angel of death could not cross. He couldn't if he wanted to. He was not allowed to cross it. There was an authority that God put in place. When that blood is there, you do not cross that line. And God's word is final. And the angel of death had to obey that. So the bloodline was something that he could not cross. And God's judgment was coming. And what I think is interesting is that even Israel had the ability to be affected by this. All the other plagues had come upon Egypt. But they had to stay under this bloodline. They had to stay inside their house that night in obedience to what God said. And if we look at uh, Exodus 12, 13, a few verses before what we just read, it says, And the blood shall be for you, a sign upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. That blood stood between them and the destroyer. That was the boundary line that the destroyer could not cross. The thing that stopped him was the bloodline but if we reread verse uh, verse 13 it says I will pass over you and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you we're living in a time now with this coronavirus when it's when it's considered a plague and yet we look at this verse and israel the Israelites were told when they when they apply the bloodline to their house that this plague shall not come upon you it shall not come into your house it shall not be upon you to destroy you And Psalm 91 verse 10 also says this plague shall not come upon or come near your dwelling. And I think that's such an exciting thing for us to know that uh, the blood that Jesus shed on the cross, the blood that we can stand behind is enough. Did you get that? It's enough. When we we stand on there, when the Israelites painted the blood on the doorposts and they stayed in their house and the key was that they had to stay behind that bloodline. They couldn't say, well, I've put the blood on my house and I can now go down the street. I can do whatever I like. I can I can go visit with my friends. No, they applied the blood to the door and God said, you need to stay inside. And it was the obedience, the faith in the blood and the obedience to do what God said that actually was their protection. So when the blood was applied to their doorposts and they stayed behind that, the rest was up to God. And so often we we, we look at things and we say, well, I plead the blood of Jesus over my life. I've prayed. I've I've asked God to take care of me. I've done this. But look at what's going on around me. And the words that we speak put us back out from under that line. It puts us back out in the street. And we need to watch the words that come out of our mouth. We need to stay behind the bloodline. If the bloodline is enough, if God is enough, then we need to stay in a place where God is enough, where our trust is in him. And the Israelites, they might have said, but this is just a lamb. It's just... A baby goat. It's just, what is there in this? How can I trust this? What happens if? The reality is the death angel came through and they had no ability to fix that. There is nothing they could do to protect themselves. And they just had to trust in the blood of Jesus. They had to trust that what God said was enough and that his word was enough. And we need to be in the same place today. We need to trust that his word is enough. We need to trust that, that his blood has been shed for us, that, that we are in a place of right standing with him. And when we pray, when we trust him, when he says, these things will not come upon you, that we trust him because there's nothing else we can do. And the Israelites were in that same place. And what's interesting is the bloodline then, the same blood is, is just as powerful today. The blood will never, ever, ever lose its power. And if we look in, uh, in Revelation 13, 8, it refers to Jesus as the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And, and every time we, we look at something that happened in the Bible, the, the Israelites, every time they shed a, a, a they sacrificed a lamb and in this case put the blood up on the doorpost, everything they did in obedience to God was a declaration of the promise that God had made because Jesus, as we just read, is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. You see, God knew man was going to sin. He already knew that when he creates man, man is going to fall. So when man sinned, it didn't come as a shock to him. Why? Because he'd already planned for man's redemption. He'd already had this discussion in heaven that, that there was the word, Jesus. There was the Father, the Holy Spirit. They were discussing how they're going to do this. And, and, and we look in the Bible and the, the consequence of sin is always death. And the only way that that debt could be paid was for somebody to die. And you look at our lives and we only have one life. We're not a cat. We don't have nine lives. We 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 can only do this once. And so the price of sin was upon us through Adam and Eve. And when Adam and Eve sinned, it, sin came upon the world. And death was the, the separation was, was what we faced. And, and I think it's interesting when we look at this that That Jesus made this decision. Well, death has to be the, the debt has to be paid through death. So I will die in their place. And he stepped up and he did that. So before the foundation of the world, this was already decided. It wasn't, oh, I'll see how things go, I'll see how man behaves, I'll see what happens. It was, it's it's decided, it's finished, it's done. And and every time the Israelites sacrificed a lamb. They were declaring the sacrifice of Jesus. They were were prophetically speaking out, we are trusting in uh, the blood of Jesus. We're trusting in the fact that this sacrifice is enough. And if you think about it, the blood of a lamb painted on the doorpost of their house, just the blood of a, a basic animal painted on the doorpost of their house in faith and obedience to what God said was enough. And it was that prophetic declaration of what was yet to come. So we look on, on Good Fridays, the day we remember that Jesus died. That was day one. Day two was the day he was working. Day two was the day where, where he rose. Uh, sorry, day three was the day where he rose from the dead. But day two was was the time when he paid the price, when he when he defeated death and hell, where he conquered everything. Day three, we see right at dawn that the angel comes, there was an earthquake, that the stone was rolled away and Jesus was released. And day three, was the day where he where he rose from the dead. And once he ascended into heaven, he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, released his Holy Spirit, everything had been put in place for man to be back in great relationship with God in a, in a place where we can stand as his children, where we can stand in that place of victory and authority. And it's so important that we grab that. And when Jesus hung on the cross and he said, it is finished, he wasn't just referring to his life, And the ministry that he had and the fact that he did everything he had to do he was saying it is finished he was saying devil you are done your reign over mankind is finished i'm coming after you next i've done everything i have to here. you are my next target you are next on the line and he defeated death and hell he rose from the dead he conquered it completely he ascended into heaven he sent the holy spirit and we are now in a place where we can come before him and and surrender our lives before him and say, Father, I want to be part of your family again. I want to be back in right standing with you. And he didn't make it hard. He didn't make it a challenge. He didn't make it something stressful for us. He just said, it is finished. It is done. The price is paid. And everything that has happened there uh, is, is finished. There's nothing more we need to do. Jesus has done it all. We can't act in a certain way. We can't perform in a certain way. We can't do certain chores or be nice to certain people or any of these things we have to depend on the blood of jesus and so when he says this is the way to heaven the price has been paid but you have to come through me then the only way we can get to heaven is to come through him our trust has to be in his blood and so when he said it is finished everything was done And as we surrender our lives to to Jesus, and we come back into God's intended relationship uh, for us. We come back into that place of victory and authority over the devil. So when we stand there, we declare in Jesus name, you must. We do that with the full backing of heaven. When we pray for protection over our household, we do that with the full backing and the authority of heaven. So when I speak, God speaks. And what I love is that the Bible says that when the Holy Spirit comes upon me, I will be superimposed with with him. So I know that when I speak, he speaks. And he said he will never leave me or forsake me. I'm never on my own. There's never a time that I fail him because I know he loves me. He's done everything necessary. I just have to come before him. And if I do something wrong, the Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. God is such a powerful God. He's such an incredible God. And he's put everything in place there. Everything's in place for us. Uh, what I think is interesting too is that his love for us was so great that he paid the price before, before we even chose, knowing that we may never actually accept it, knowing that we may never come before him. He said, it's finished. It's done. I've paid the price. Here is salvation. Here is salvation here is your redemption here is the opportunity for you to come back into relationship with me but you have to choose and he did this knowing that we may never choose he did this knowing that we may never come back into a place uh, of, of relationship with him but he loves us so much he's willing to give us that choice that he says if you want to be in heaven this is the way to do it if you want to go out on your own and do it your way go for it. But I've put everything in place here. It's all been done. And so he demonstrated his love for us that while we were still sinners, he died for us. He didn't say, uh, if you behave in a certain way, it's done. He didn't say, well, you do this first, and then I'll do that. He acted first, he paid the price first. And he, he didn't just pay the price, he paid a gruesome price. His life was sacrificed for us. We need to really grab hold of that because it's so easy for us with hindsight to look back and say, well, you know, Good Friday's here, everyone's crying, but don't worry because Easter Sunday has come and Jesus is going to rise again. We look with hindsight and because of that, sometimes we can almost uh, make small of what happened, but there's nothing small in what Jesus did. He paid a great price for us. He paid an incredible price for us. The, The God of heaven comes down from his throne onto into earth, lives a life here and, and gives his life for us, that God himself would do that for us, is an absolutely incredible thing. Everything we need to come back into relationship with God has been given. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And this is the key. For with the heart one believes to righteousness and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. And like I said earlier, so often we think we have to do certain things to, to make it to heaven. This one is really clear. With the heart, one believes to righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made to salvation. Salvation is purely me coming before God and saying, Father, I accept the price that you've paid. I want to thank you for the price you've paid, and I want you to be Lord of my life. And and that's the time where, where we, we look at this and, and we we don't just stay there where we are and 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 say like now i'm a christian everything's fixed sort of no we actually come out from under the devil's control and we come under the covering of god and in a sense it's a bit like the israelites we come out from the cold we come inside and we stand behind that bloodline because god is enough jesus is enough the price that he's paid is enough and so in all these things that we're facing at the moment we, we look around with our eyes, we hear these stories on the news, but there's so many prophetic words being spoken. If we spend our time, instead of listening to the doom and gloom and start researching not just any prophetic word, but people who are, who are well-known prophetic ministries who are speaking God's word, we hear so many words about God is delivering his people, that God is about to break through, that things are about to change. And, and we need to put our focus in the right thing because God is enough. And, and like I said right at the start, that this plague will not come upon them if they stand behind the blood and stay in their house. Uh, now, I'm not talking about staying in your house physically here, but it's actually, if the bloodline was their covering, stay in the house is for us to say, well, I'm not going to speak anything different. I'm not going to do anything different. I will do this God's way. I will stand under his covering. I will stand under his protection. I will trust him because he is enough. And that's an exciting thing. Easter isn't just... Uh, about bunny rabbits and and chocolate eggs easter is about jesus dying being buried dealing with death and hell being raised from the dead releasing the holy spirit and setting in place everything for us to be in right standing with him that's the story of easter it starts at christmas with jesus being born goes right through his entire life and we need to come to that place where we say, God, I will trust you. I will honor you. I will live my life for you. And no matter what I see before me, you are more than enough. Because when Jesus said it is finished, he meant it is finished. So I want to encourage you to pray. I'm just going to pray this. And I'd, I'd love you to pray it with me as well. And uh, just to surrender your life to God. And say, God, this Easter, I want Easter 2020. In the midst of all this turmoil, I want this year to be a year of where I've actually realigned myself with you. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I come before you now in the name of Jesus. I surrender my life before you. I thank you that you are enough. When you said it is finished, it is finished. And so today, I choose to surrender my life before you. I ask for you to be Lord of my life. I want to do things your way. I want to realign myself with you. I ask you to take control of my life. And I surrender before you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. That's a that's a great decision. If you've prayed that prayer for the first time, or even if you've 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 come back and saying, you know what, I need to realign myself with God. That's a an awesome thing. And I want to congratulate you. And I'd love you to write to us and, and let us know what you've done. Let us know that today, Easter 2020, was the day that I've realigned myself with God. Send us a message. You can contact us through the website. But please let us know. And don't just stop there. Continue growing in God. Continue praying. Continue uh, reading his word and learning who he is and what his plan for your life is, because he has a good plan. The Bible says he has a plan to prosper us, not to harm us, and a plan to give us a hope and a future. So this is an exciting time for us. And, and and in the midst of all this coronavirus, this is an exciting time because the blood of Jesus is enough. So I want to encourage you as you leave here today, as you as you, you go out and do do life, remember that fact that his blood is enough, that he has given everything to you. And when he said it is finished, he meant it is finished. God bless. In looking at what we've looked at today, I think it's appropriate that we have a time of communion together. And, and normally we might do this early on, but I felt to do this at the end of the message today, because uh, like I said earlier, Easter isn't about the chocolate eggs and about the bunnies. Uh, Easter's an opportunity for us to to remind the devil who he is and whose we are. It's a good opportunity for us to, to come back and realign ourselves with God. And, and we've prayed before, we've surrendered our life to God, but just to to, to be in this place where we, where we declare who we are. If we look at uh, Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, just the first part, it says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And as we just looked out, standing behind the bloodline was enough. When we surrender our life to Jesus Christ and we accept the fact that the blood of the lamb was shed for us, that that sacrifice was made, the blood was shed for us, that bloodline has been drawn, that that is enough. And as I just said there, Revelation 12, 11a says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. The words we speak are very, very important. Our testimony, it's a legal word. The, The word testimony is a legal word. It's the evidence we give. What are the words you're speaking out of your mouth? What is the evidence coming out of your mouth? Because the words you speak will declare who you are. You can call yourself a Christian. You can call yourself a child of God. But the words you speak, they give testimony as to the sort of person you are. And not just praying a prayer occasionally, not just reading a Bible occasionally, but but speaking out the word of God, speaking out life. And, uh, and I read a, a prophetic word just in this last week from... Uh, from Mancord or a Prophetic Ministry, uh, Nate Robinson. And one of the lines he read in there was, was something that just really gripped me. He said, it was then that I heard these words loudly in my spirit. Tell them to prophesy that the war is over. And the reference was into uh, to, to coronavirus. But to testify, to, to, to prophesy that the war is over. And again, we look at Genesis chapter one, verse 26, we're made in the image and likeness of God. The words we speak are important, uh, that we overcome him by the blood of the lamb and the words of our testimony. And my testimony is that Jesus Christ is my Lord. My testimony is that even though I've sinned, I've been forgiven, I've been released, I've I've been um, put back into right standing with God. I am in a good place with him because of the blood of Jesus. And my testimony is that I am saved and I am his child. And, and Matthew 12:37 says, by your words, you will be justified. And by your words, you will be condemned. Our words are very, very powerful. We need to watch the words that come out of our mouth. We need to watch the testimony that we speak. Because that will testify of the sort of person we are. That will testify uh, of the evidence of our life. And like I said, our testimony isn't just evidence to the, uh, to the day I got saved. It's a declaration for who God is. And as we look in, uh, we look in the Bible, it says, every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, and, and as I hold before me the elements, I have the juice in one hand, I have the biscuit in the other. The, the biscuit is symbolic of a body broken on the cross for me. The juice is symbolic of blood shed for me. Just as the Israelites had the blood from the lamb was symbolic of so too, I'm remembering the covenant that I have with God. And when I remember, I don't, just, I don't just think, I don't just remember, I remember with my mouth. I say, I'm overcoming you by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. My testimony is that Jesus is enough. And so I just want to pray together. I want you to uh, just to pray this with me or just, just within your mind. I'm just going to pray this out loud, but I want this to be a declaration from your mouth today, not just a Oh, it's a little prayer I'll pray. It's it's not just a time we have communion, but it's a, a remembering of the covenant we have with God. It's remembering that because of what Jesus did, we're in a place of right standing with him. We're in a place of covenant with him. We are in a place where we are his children, where we are kings and priests under him, where we have that place of authority. When I, when I have communion, I preach, I speak, I declare. And I don't just declare it as words, as empty words. Words need to be heard. And the one that hears it is the devil. He hears it from my mouth that I am a child of the living God. God hears it from my mouth that I am your son. I am your child and I am reminding you of the covenant that I have with you. And I'm reminding myself of who I am and whose I am. So I'm just going to pray this and I want this to be a prayer that you agree with. That you pray, Pray with me if you can keep up. But it's not so much the words there, but I want you just to pray this as a prayer of agreement. Father, I stand before you today as your child. Lord, as we have this bread and this juice, Father, we stand in agreement and we declare who and whose we are. Father, in this place today, I declare the name of Jesus Christ. I declare that in the name of Jesus Christ, I apply the blood of Jesus to my life, to my family, to my job, to my career, to my health. Uh, to everything about me, to my, even to my fa- finances, Father, I apply your blood to every part of my life because your blood is enough. The sacrifice you made is enough. And as I eat this bread and as I drink this juice, Father, I declare that I am your child. I declare that it is finished. I declare that you are enough. I declare that my trust is in you and in everything you've done, Father. I thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's eat and drink. Father, we want to thank you today. We want to thank you that, again, this isn't just a day about eggs and bunnies, Lord. This is a day where we celebrate who you are. We celebrate your goodness. We celebrate the perfect land that was slain for us. Father, we thank you for all you've done. We commit our lives again afresh to you. Lord, lead us in all we do so that we can honor you with our best because we want to, we want to reflect you to those we come in contact with. Lord, we want to reflect you to our families. We want to reflect you to to people that that we speak to, the people that we engage with, whether even online or over the phone. Father, we trust that you are God, that you'll operate through us. And we ask that as we leave this place today, Father, that you'll give us every opportunity to to minister your love and your life and to those we come in contact with. In Jesus' name, amen.